Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when The Office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hello, everyone. Today, we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 5, Local Ad. In this episode, Michael unleashes his inner director, Jim gets a little obsessed, and Dwight gets a glimmer of hope. So this episode's cold open introduces us to what will will be the A-plot of this episode, which is that Dunder Mifflin is going to be shooting a local ad for the Scranton area. Right, in order to promote the new website Dunder Mifflin Infinity, which seems like kind of an odd thing to promote. Yes, the last three-ish episodes kind of shows us that Ryan has essentially just been given the keys to the kingdom. Like, all of these things are clearly his calls between the website and the launch party and now this local ad, which... Judging by the reactions of Michael and the rest of the employees, is something that has never happened for them before. They've never had an advertisement, at least not one geared towards a local audience. Which probably is not the best strategy for sales or for a company that sells things to people. But if you're niche like that and you have repeat customers, which you would have to for paper, like you're, that's not a one-time purchase. Uh, also, that seems a little outside of Ryan's job description, at least how we knew how Jan did it. That seems a little bit even higher than Ryan, but he's at corporate. He is seizing the moment, if you could say, uh, with all of his ideas. And so for the cold open, we see the employees in the conference room and we get in right in the middle of kind of a brainstorm session. They are just kind of throwing out ideas as to what to include in this ad, things that people like, and that will kind of give that, give their ad that little extra zhuzh. And Phyllis throws out dancing babies and Andy comes in, is like, you need a jingle and we're going with the greatest one ever. And he starts doing the Kit Kat bar jingle, but he can't get that those last three beats. He can't remember what the ad is for, despite him claiming it's the greatest ad of all time. It, it's a very, it's a really hilarious through line for the whole episode. And Ed Helms just plays it off really well. And then Jim won't let anyone tell him. He's like, you're so close. You got it. And he just keeps naming off even more ludicrous things. Now, I couldn't find anything that indicated that these were ad-libbed at all, but I have to guess that maybe they were. For sure, for sure. Especially because he throws out, probably by the end of the episode, like 10 different things. So I I bet it's like the same situation of something that we've already seen with Andy where they shot like hundreds of different things yeah and they just went with this so yeah probably kudos to ed helms for coming up with probably several just three beat word you know combinations Mm -hmm. to try and fill in the blanks of what the give me a break ad is for right 
And this is a really extraordinarily long cold open compared to normal because it keeps going. Uh, the admin come to the office and Michael's like introducing them around, seemingly going to introduce them to every single member of the office. And then the cold open ends by Jim saying he thinks it's great uh, that the company's getting a website and he usually doesn't correct people when they assume that he works at a place that sells muffins or mittens or something more exciting than paper. So this is a bit of an odd episode in kind of almost the opposite way that we have seen in the previous four episodes. The other episodes all pushed around 40 minutes. This one comes in at like 22. Like it's very, very short. And so there's not a whole lot of substance in this episode. There's really just an A plot and a B plot. So we're going to run through the B plot real quick before we get to the main focus of the episode. And the B plot is Dwight dealing with the fallout of he and Angela's breakup. And we have seen this in the last couple of episodes. And Dwight is really in a bad place at this moment that we see. And it is made even worse because Andy, for some reason of all the people in the office, is coming to Dwight for relationship advice with Angela. Poor Dwight here. And Andy is an oblivious weirdo so he's just giving a lot of details angela is also a weirdo because andy says that they've been mostly doing a lot of necking so not even kissing not even kissing just nuzzling of their necks and so he really would like to advance that forward a little bit he said to at least first base so he's asking Dwight for tips. So their relationship... By the way, we don't kink shame on this podcast. So if that's your thing, that's your thing. <laughs> for sure. For sure. It sounds very relaxing, I guess. Sure. <laughs> but Dwight and Andy's relationship has really come full circle if you think back to last season when they absolutely hated each other. And so Dwight is kind of coping with his break up with Angela and kind of half having to be Andy's unwilling sounding board by playing a game called Second Life. And this is a game that Dwight has played in the past. And he explains that he created his character in Second Life because his first life was so great at this time that he wanted to have an even better second life or to capitalize like on his great life that he was currently having but now it seems as though Dwight is really kind of morose in his playing of second life and so it kind of mirrors what his normal life is like so Dwight is very kind of depressed in his normal life and so he has become seemingly depressed in this game as well. I read that differently. I read that as he said a year ago, he signed up for Second Life because his life was just so good. And he just wanted to be the exact same, except he could fly. Now it's an escape into the time when like things were so good. Okay, okay. Unfortunately for Dwight, Jim is right there to kind of add salt in the wound 
Yeah, Jim should leave him alone. <laughs> Poor Dwight. Dwight is playing this game at work. And so Jim, like, knows when he is playing. So we find out that Jim has created his own Second Life character simply to keep tabs on Dwight. And he shares this with Pam, who doesn't seem all that supportive of this kind of prank by Jim. She is usually all in on these things, but she is a little more apprehensive with this one. And she just notes that Jim is using Second Life probably as its creators intended. He's a sports writer in Philly, and he's got a pretty muscular build and plays guitar. So he's amped up elements of his actual real life and to be something that is a little aspirational. And Pam points all these things out. She's like, oh, you've got a guitar on you. Like she's looking at his avatar. I didn't know you played guitar. And he's like, I actually, he's, she's poking the holes into how kind of just childish and silly this whole thing is. I took it. A different way. These yeah. are the things that Jim wishes he was. Right. He's aspiring. Yeah. He wishes that was his life. Right. And it is kind of this. And I I very much appreciated it just based off of my feelings about Jim that I have shared on this podcast <laughs> at length, where he is just this dull guy in real life because he doesn't have this ambition and yet here's all these things that he wishes he could be that he's probably just for the most part not willing to try and do like well can he really become a sports writer does he have a journalism background no but he if that's really what he wanted to do it seems as though jim like we have no idea what jim's pre dunder mifflin life was like but jim kind of strikes me as and just based off of how he talks about his job is just like, well, I got, I graduated college or even I, after high school, I didn't really know what to do or wasn't really motivated to do anything. So he put in his two years of community college or just kind of got through four years of regular college and was just kind of like, well, I need a job. Oh, there's this one. I'm going to go work there. And then that was it. Like he's not motivated enough to look for a different job. And so he wasn't motivated enough before this to follow up on his dreams of being a sports writer. And playing guitar. Right. But like, I'm not saying, and granted this is the pre-YouTube days, but like, it's pretty easy to teach yourself how to play guitar at this point. Now, now. (laughs) I mean, you have to go buy guitar. Sure, sure. (laughs) I think it's interesting that Dwight and Jim have sort of switched places in regards to their life. If you think about like a season ago, season and a half ago, at the start of season three, Jim had left Scranton and was down and searching for something because he got rejected by Pam. And Dwight was in this really fulfilling relationship He was enjoying being the assistant to the regional manager, like really living high on life. And now Jim is in that position because he's finally with Pam. You know, he's okay with his job like that. For him, things have 
leveled out and now Dwight is in this place of just huge upheaval and it just sucks because that's how it goes like you think things are going so great and then you have nothing and so later we see Dwight in the break room and he is very clearly broken like he is looking for something in the vending machine and he just like has his head rested on the glass and he seems to almost be like mindlessly pushing the button to scroll through what is in the vending machine when Andy comes in and is just like it's time to celebrate with some bubbly or a soda that he just got out of the vending machine there was a huge breakthrough finally got to a place I want to be we're making out real hard and in in the sense that he's like he says that he's kissing her neck and kisses her cheek and kind of nibbles on her ear and that Angela isn't reciprocating these things at all but she does kind of moan out OD <laughs> yes and white perks up at this he's like wait what'd she say and andy says it again he's like yeah she said od for andy <laughs> which is just perfectly hilarious uh and dwight knows what it's really about i mean angela on camera has called dwight d a couple of times so he's realizing that maybe she's missing him too you know this really would have played out more believably i guess it it works both ways because it just shows how clueless andy is <laughs> and that this really sets the tone for a lot of the action that goes on the rest of the season right. where andy is absolutely clueless as to what angela is doing with dwight even though all the signs are there right but if he if Andy continued to go by the name Drew, like he had insisted on when he first got that. that, then that would work out because he, uh, D, right. Dwight, Drew, either one works. I was literally just thinking that. So Dwight takes this as a victory. He's willing to, you know, cheers to Andy. He realizes that maybe this is not quite as serious as, as he thought. And that's really, like Curtis said, that's really the B-plot. The main action for this episode is Michael's quest to make his own ad. So as we get into the body of it and he's talking to the admin, I assume one's the director and one's like the creative the Videographer, yeah. yeah. He is telling them, his ideas. He has this vision of how this commercial is going to go. And they interrupt him to say, you know, actually, we've got something already. And they watch it and they break the news to Michael that he really only has five seconds to decide what he's going to do. It's just showing the whole office the Nashua branch chose to be standing outside and waving. And Michael is just really upset because he thinks he's very creative. He's already wrote a movie. And he calls Ryan and David Wallace. This is a weird episode for me, for Michael, because all of this seemingly comes out of left field. He is right. he is very dismissive of everyone, as we will explain 
as we go through the episode. But they don't really attribute it to anything. Like, Michael does give this one-on-one with a camera about how creative he is. But it's this weird anecdote about him drawing a unicorn when he was five. They don't mention the fact that he's written a screenplay. Like, they just have him kind of put himself on this pedestal where nothing that anybody suggests or does is good enough or in his vision and he is that way the entire episode for seemingly no reason that's a good point he's sort of positioning himself as this creative genius here and he has this vision and he's got to execute it but he also it's clear does not know what creativity is And this is one of the instances where it's a stark difference in a comedy versus a drama. This lack of continuity or, oh, this crazy thing's happening and then it never really gets addressed or brought up or anything again. And sometimes through these like crazy antics in comedies, character traits come and go in characters. Like there will be a point Uh, I believe in the next season where Michael doesn't know how to ride a bike, but we've already seen him ride a bike for instance. So it's, it's things like that. Whereas in a drama, I feel like you are connecting dots or you're learning things. So the continuity just has to be there. So yes, Michael gets rid of these ad people and this sparks a call from David Wallace and Ryan and David's like, hey, what are you doing? Just got word you sent these people home. And Michael essentially says they were stifling his creativity. He's going to make his own ad. He's going to do it on his own time. He's going to do it on his own dime. And he's going to show it to them. And if they don't like it, they can not use it, or I guess. They can use the other one. And Michael will pay for the ad agency to come back. Right. And so Michael says he is staking his reputation on this, which doesn't really hold a whole lot of weight, but whatever. And for some reason, plot convenience, obviously, David Wallace is like, all right, yeah, sure. And you would think that with Ryan being in the room, Ryan would step up and say, "Um, no, because he's going to spend the whole day that he should be working he's going to be shooting this commercial and he's going to take people from the office who also should be working and he's going to shoot this commercial with them so they're going to waste an entire day of productivity on not work stuff they're going to be shooting this ad right which is exactly what happens michael holds another conference room meeting he peps everyone up you're all creative And then he starts assigning out tasks. He says, Kelly can do makeup. Oscar gets costumes, obviously. And Phyllis is tasked with finding someone famous to be in the commercial. Really, the only person that's not getting involved is Dwight. Like, he's playing Second Life, like we said. And Pam is going to animate um, a logo on the computer. She's doing computer animation. Daryl... Creed, Andy, Kevin, and Kelly come up with a jingle, as Andy suggested, and I think it sounds pretty good. Yeah, I thought I I thought it was very catchy and very good. 
it incorporates the names of people that work at the office gives it kind of that local flavor mm -hmm. and <laughs> this is a this is one of those times when like michael's control freakness kind of comes through inexplicably because he's just like no i hate it i hate i hate it i thought it was going to be a rap yeah and daryl's playing the keyboard they're harmonizing yeah the refrain is dunder mifflin the people person's paper, paper people almost couldn't get it and michael yeah pretty much insults them so daryl gives it another try this one is not as good as the other one in my opinion it's like an r&b slowdown i think of. yeah that's what they were going for it doesn't really translate but michael says that this one's not good either he hates it and this insults daryl and daryl tries to you know kind of walk away and is very, very offended by the fact that Michael said he hates the things that he just made. Yeah, right. Another instance of Michael just kind of being grumpy or whatever is we get a shot outside and we see Meredith, Andy, and Kevin kind of setting up a shot that's going to go into the commercial. And... Michael comes in and just like, oh, this all looks like crap. And this is the big scene. Like we, it has to be good. And he's really getting on everybody about how perfect this has to be. And this is when Phyllis shows back up from her errand. Earlier in the episode, Phyllis had done some browsing online and she found, finds out that Sue Grafton is at the Steamtown Mall. She's doing a book signing. And so Michael's like, get over there, stand in line. You don't take no for an answer. She has to be in this commercial. And so Phyllis returns and is in tears. She says that she got to the front of the line and she asked Sue if she could be in the commercial and she said no, but that she wasn't supposed to take no for an answer. And so Phyllis apparently stepped over some lines <laughs> and she was asked to leave the mall and she said that she was embarrassed in front of all of her friends. And she's just very upset about it at this time. Curtis, do you know who Sue Grafton is? Like, do you know her books? Nope, not at all. So she, to me, is probably this, along the same lines as Danielle Steele. Like, just pumps out mystery romance novels. And I believe, now I have not read any of them, but I believe she did 26 books for every letter of the alphabet, and it's like A is for whatever, huh. like a, a some clue sure. or aspect of it, and I'm pretty sure that's one of her biggest uh, series, if you will. At the end of the day, Pam is still working on her animation, and Michael is editing. So Pam, Michael, and Dwight end up staying late because Dwight is watching over Michael as he edits. And Pam actually was working until 2.45 in the morning, had to decide if she wanted to try to drive home or not, and ended up falling asleep at her desk. <laughs> but everything gets done, and they send the final cut off to corporate. And we see Michael just kind of waiting by the computer as it gets sent off. And it's just like they could call at any minute. They're probably going to watch it right away. And he's just sitting there and he's sitting there. And after like a minute, he calls them to ask, you know, 
what they thought. Yeah, did you watch it? And then so we get a cut there, and then we get a flash forward 10 days, and everyone is gathered at Poor Richard's to watch the premiere of the Scranton ad for Dunder Mifflin. As Michael is walking into the bar, he said that corporate rejected his ad, so they have to watch just the commercial that the ad agency put together, which wasn't bad. It was, it's just kind of your standard office supply commercial in which someone's walking around a big box store looking for help, can't find anyone, associates are walking away. And so the person in the ad is sort of spinning around looking and then he finally comes out of that store but is looking at Dunder Mifflin and so it's essentially saying we got you small customer service things like that so everyone watches the ad in the end the Scranton branch did the exact same as the Nashua branch they just stood outside and waved and then Jim gives a DVD of Michael's ad to the bartender and asks him to play it and honestly this isn't that bad of a commercial like it's, it's pretty good i think it's pretty good and i'm surprised that they didn't use it now granted it's not like professionally done so there's a lot of things in it that don't look great like there's one shot where dwight goes to the front door of a house and phyllis enter answers the door and dwight gives her this note and on it says you have a son, it's me. And you can see like fishing wire attached mm-hmm. to the to the paper. And so like somebody pulls on it to in, so that the paper is blowing, quote unquote, out of Dwight's hand. Right. Because the whole through line of the of Michael's commercial is just a piece of paper can change someone's life. Yeah. But everybody from the office, everyone gets a small part or they're on screen for Michael's commercial for at least a small uh, portion of time. And it is pretty fun. Now, they did not use the jingle at all. They used Chariots of Fire as the background music. Oh, yeah. Good catch. Yeah. And it's a big hit. Everyone loves it. They're excited by it. Everyone at the bar is wearing browns and earth tones. It's like a weird, it's just a weird visual thing that I kept thinking about every time they'd flash back from the ad to just the group watching it. (laughs) And so Michael does have something to be proud of here. And that's not always the case at the end of an episode for Michael. And so that pretty much wraps up the episode. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode. This episode was written by BJ Novak and directed by Jason Rittman, who does movies. And I can't now think of movies he's done, but. He might have done the first three Spider-Man movies. Uh, Yes, you are correct. I did read that. BJ Novak's brother is actually a musician. And he's the one that wrote the jingle that Daryl and company are singing. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty fun. So uh, I didn't realize until I was kind of looking into this episode that Second Life is a real thing. And the appearance of Second Life on this episode, The Office, was among the top 10 most effective product placements for 2007. And it wasn't even a paid product placement. It was just something the writers came up with. 
And the last thing is, so when Phyllis is crying in front of the building coming back from the mall, she's sort of wailing. And if you've ever seen Inside Out, you might recognize that a little bit because Phyllis, Phyllis Smith is the voice of sadness from Inside Out. And I'm like, oh, she just is so perfect in that. And she was so perfect in Inside Out as that voice. And that's all I have. Curtis, what about any firings for this episode? One thing I do want to bring up real quick before firings is that um, there are some instances of bad Jim in this episode. Yeah. Where not only like is he super obsessed about Dwight's playing this game and creates the character just to follow him around and like, you know, spy on him essentially. When he goes to Pam about showing her this, Pam's like, "Hey, I'm I'm working on this thing. I'm doing something real." Yeah, for the uh, the commercial, and Jim's like, "Yeah, hold on, don't worry about that. You can stop that, and let me show you this thing." Yeah, I mean, he's very dismissive towards her, and I know he's excited about the Second Life thing, but it doesn't. It, is a little cringy. And then when he is getting ready to leave for the day and Pam is still there kind of doing the animating, Jim's like, oh, you're going to stay here and work on this thing that nobody's ever going to see. And it's kind of this kind of this weird juxtaposition of Jim created Second Life, his Second Life character to kind of in a way fulfill all the things that he wanted to do with his life and then here's pam like is committing to this thing and putting a lot of work into it because this also is what she wanted to do with her life right and so this at least is a productive thing whereas jim is kind of like did that oh i'm not really into this i'm i'm just doing it to make fun of dwight essentially right and so he's, while he's doing that, he's poo-pooing the thing that Pam is really putting some effort into because this is what she likes and this is what she wants to do. Yeah, not a great, I mean, everyone has bad moments, but not a great episode for Jim, I would say. So anyway, to the firings. Michael gets fired because on the phone call with <laughs> David Wallace and Ryan... David first talks and says, hey, Michael, I heard you sent the ad guys home. Why is that? And Michael says, well, Ryan's being a little bitch and is stifling my creativity, essentially. And Ryan chimes in and goes, I'm on here, Michael. (laughs) And so Michael gets fired for calling his boss a bitch. Uh, That's his fourth firing of the season. It's his 30th overall. And then Dwight and Jim both have to get fired for playing Second Life while they're at work. Yeah, and Dwight pretty blatantly, like, he puts on a headset with a microphone. Yeah, and especially in a... Open concept office. Right, but also in a position where, like, you're making sales calls. Like, you are clearly not able to do that while you are playing this game with your headset on and everything like that. That's true. Um, it is Dwight's first firing of this season. It's his seventh overall. 
and it is also Jim's first firing of the season. It's his fourth overall. What is your Dundee? My Dundee is for the restaurant concept that will not make it to its first anniversary, and that goes to Mike's Cereal Shack. It's an idea that he throws out to Ryan when Ryan is trying to explain why creating this ad is not Michael's job. And he gives the example of, you might be good at cooking, but you shouldn't open a restaurant. And Michael says, I am going to open a restaurant. It's going to be Mike's Cereal Shack. And you will have the option of getting any type of cereal that you could get at the grocery store. Which just will not, uh, don't know how that's going to work. Cereal's already pretty expensive, and if you don't need to cook it or do anything with it, it sounds kind of like a college cafeteria where you just have those big canisters and you can put as much as you want into the bowl. A, I am pretty sure that this exists. You think? Yeah, like in New York, LA, like they might just be pop-up things, but I am almost positive there are places where you can go and you can just go get any type of cereal you want that's funny b what you mentioned was one of my favorite things about living in the dorms because there were times when i would go to the dining hall and walk around and be like oh no i don't really feel like the special that they have i don't want pizza for the third time this week and i got a burger or a patty melt yesterday well cereals there and so i would eat cereal for dinner and like yeah there were like 16 different types of cereal you could get if i'm remembering correctly we only had three different types at a time like sometimes it would rotate but it It depends on it depended on the the dining hall the one that was closest to my dorm was kind of small so yeah there was probably only like four or five but there was one of the larger ones that did have probably close to like 10. At the end of my freshman year, I was just so over the dining options. Like I accidentally lost a little bit of weight at the end of that year just because I'm like, I don't want another stir fry or another noodle dish. Or like you said, yeah, like you have options, but sometimes they're not very wonderful options. Yeah. And it was especially bad for me because in my dorm situation i lived on the very very corner of campus like literally the edge of campus was across the street from my dorm (laughs) on two sides Mm -hmm. and so there was only one dining hall within no they're all in walking distance but within like easy walking distance of like five minutes of my dorm so we went to the same dining hall for pretty much every meal Mm. for dinner at least like if I was on like going to classes Mm -hmm. like I could go to a different one for lunch and so yeah like it definitely got old because there were other dining halls like they had different special options and then there were some that even had like specialty sections so there was one that had uh, Chinese food all the time and it was a different Chinese food dish every day And there's another one you could get pizza at. And then there was, you know, others where it's just, you know, specialty things. Ours, the one that we went to did not have that. It was a grill. It was pizza. It was the, you know, rotating entree section. There was the salad bar and the cereal. And that was it. See, you went, I went to a much smaller school. We only had one dining hall. 
period period yeah, yeah for the whole the whole campus oh man waxing poetic on college dining what is your dundee my dundee is the of course he did that award and that goes to michael and he gets this because at the end of the commercial that he shoots and like we said it is this piece of paper kind of going throughout the ad and it shows how paper can change lives whatever and so the the final shot of the ad is Jim crumpling up a piece of paper and he kind of just throws it over his shoulder into a trash can and Michael picks up this piece of paper out of the trash can unfolds it and put it puts it on the wall in a frame and it says world's most creative boss yeah it's sort of a a small f u to ryan i think right but it is also something it is a very michael thing to do or just like see look what i did and i can and it's this self pump up yes. to who for him in this thing that he has complete control over he anoints his own superlatives yes exactly who is your employee of the month I chose Michael just because his ad was actually pretty good. He really did pull through here. And like I said, that's not always the case for him. What about you? Same thing. Uh, I have Michael because the ad that he does is is actually pretty good. Second place, Daryl for his fun jingle. I would say the same thing. Daryl, it's still not been fired, yeah, by the way. Daryl Watch. We didn't do Daryl Watch last week or the week before that, <laughs> I don't think. But yes, Daryl appears in this episode and does play a somewhat prominent part Mm -hmm. but yes he does not do anything to get fired so still hanging on still with one person and that will do it for this week's episode please follow us on twitter at downsizing pod to get all your latest updates and continue listening to us on google podcasts apple podcasts spotify wherever you are listening to us be sure to rate subscribe like, comment, whatever you can do, anywhere you can do it, in order to help getting get our name out there. We will see you guys next time, and we hope you are staying safe. Bye. Bye.